Under the microscope on Metro FM Talk. 18 minutes it is before 9 p.m. You tuned in to a Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. Under the microscope this, ev- this evening, and uh, excuse my pun here, uh, but uh, we're taking a look at uh, medical negligence. Now, a story appearing uh, in uh, reports over the last day or so that claims for medical negligence against uh, the uh, South African government have more than tripled in the past four years, uh, rising to a staggering 104.5 billion rand now uh, in the last financial year. Provincial departments paid out 1.9 billion rand uh, to successful claimants, which is the equivalent of uh, 1% of South Africa's consolidated health budget of uh, 208.8 billion rand. And we ask ourselves this evening, what is behind uh, this uh, rise in uh, medical negligence claims? And uh, more importantly, what does it tell us about uh, the state of health? Uh, Where is this happening? And uh, I guess the other question I ought to be asking, is there an industry emerging here? Uh, where potentially uh, there are some lawyers uh, that uh, are really making a killing, as some people have suggested. I'm joined on the line by uh, Professor Sylvester Chima, Associate Professor and uh, Head at uh, the Programme of Bio and Research Ethics and Medical Law at UKZN. Prof, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Good evening to you, Ayabwanga, and uh, good evening to your listeners. Prof, let's maybe take a step back here. When, when we talk about a medical negligence claim or a uh, lawsuit or anything of that kind, in essence, what is it that we're referring to here? And uh, more importantly, what uh, do some of the parties need to prove? Well, the issue when we're talking about medical negligence has to do with if not only a doctor, but any healthcare professional following below this expected standard of care and you know and when this occurs and this leads to injury to to a healthcare user or a patient therefore the patient for example can seek compensation to be compensated for the injury they have suffered now it um when we talk about negligence negligence can occur due to misdiagnosis it can occur due to failure to diagnose appropriately it can occur due to delay in diagnosis, and all of these things, any of them that can that leads to injury, you know, occurring to the patient that would not have occurred if things would have been done properly, would be can give rise to the issue of negligence. Now, in terms of law, to prove a case of negligence, the the claimant or that is the plaintiff or whoever is bringing the complaint mm. has to prove essentially four things, uh, and that is first of all that there is a duty of care. That is, duty has been established. I'll give an example in a moment, but just to take those words. Duty of care. Then there has been a breach of duty. And that the breach of duty by the healthcare professional has caused harm. And it, that harm must also be foreseeable. Now, I'll give, illustrate with an example of uh, recently there were newspaper reports about a woman who went to the hospital to deliver a baby mm. and was sent back from the hospital, you know, and she had to deliver in a taxi, a taxi on the way. You know, uh, having reported to the hospital, there was a duty created. In other words, the person has presented and said, I have a problem. Unfortunately, the healthcare professionals who were supposed to take care of her sent her away, you know, due to failure to diagnose that she was ready to about to deliver. They said, oh, it was not, you know, we're missing else. We're talking about failure to diagnose or inappropriate diagnosis. Anyway, eventually she wound up delivering in, by, in a taxi by a taxi driver. Now, luckily, the child came out without any harm. 
But the, can you can imagine the inconvenience and the pain and suffering she must have undergone to have mm. had her baby delivered exactly. And that those strong things, there was a duty that the patient came in, and there was a breach of duty, and this breach of duty by the healthcare professional led to some form of harm. In this case, it can be psychological harm or it can be actually physical harm. So those are the criteria that has to be established. And then it has to be foreseeable in the sense that Somebody must have foreseen. It must be somebody you must observe that if you send this person home and deliver in a bad place and mm. something bad happens, therefore they may sue and they will sue the department. And those are the criteria that needs to sure. be established when we're talking about negligence. Prof, when we look at uh, the different provincial health departments, uh, yes. which ones really, I guess, stand in pole position in terms of the number of medical negligence claims that there are against them? From recent reports that we have had, uh, what shows that it's, you know, with recent statistics that were published today by the South African Health Review, it shows that uh, Eastern Cape uh, is, is most challenged by this particular issue, mm. followed by Huateng Province and followed by KZN. But on the other hand, you find out that uh, Western Cape, for example, had very, very minimal claims. Now, one of the things we can learn from this, just by looking at the basic statistics, is to find out what is it that they are doing in the Western Cape that is making it's possible for them to have very low claims as compared to other, uh, uh, other uh, provinces. So that's, that's one of the things to take away from this particular, uh, you know, from the, from the obvious data that was published. Now, it could be that they are, you know, their doctors are better trained or they are practicing in a better way or they are aware of the dangers of medical negligence. There have been a lot of cases that have been litigated in the Western Cape as opposed to other States, uh, uh, other provinces. Mm. So maybe that we have we have something to learn from there. So now what happens is that when you have these care claims of medical negligence, like you pointed out from at the beginning, it drains the resources that would have been normally been used for treatment of patients. Yes. Therefore, instead of using it to treat people with HIV or who need ARVs and other kinds of medical conditions, we are now using it to pay compensation for mistakes or errors that have occurred during healthcare. Mm. And that is the implication of that kind of, of, of error. So we have to find a way to try to minimize some of these errors and minimize the claims of negligence claims so that we can have more money for actual treatment mm. of patients. And how do we do that? Now, there are so many things that we can do. I've already pointed out that from the statistics, it's obvious that some people are doing something right and others are doing something very wrong. So maybe we need better training in medical law and ethics. They did that in other countries. In mm. England, for example, they introduced the you know, specialty of medical law where they make sure. Now, we do train doctors, of course. We give lectures on ethics and things. But perhaps we have to ratchet it up for not only doctors, but also other healthcare professionals. In other words, people have to be better trained about the implications. If a patient comes, for example, if the nurse doesn't know that if a patient comes and you send them away and something bad happens, somebody has to pay. You know, maybe you need to educate them in that way that they understand that I can't send this patient home because if something bad happens while this patient is being sent home, then, you know, they have to be responsible. I, luckily, some of the people who were participated in the one that was reported have been suspended, and that's an implication for them. Mm. It's a learning experience for others. So we need better training for healthcare professionals. We need for possibility of standardization and provision of national uh, what we call practice guidelines, so that everybody's on the same page. We need a clinical governance framework. We need a framework so that when we say people, you know, that a way to examine this and make sure that it doesn't occur, you know, that was to reassure the society that this will not occur because these are the implications. Now, mm. it doesn't only affect 
a particular individual. It affects the entire system. Now, one of the things that, that people who have studied it in developed countries have found out that it's not really because of individual doctors or individual nurses or individual healthcare professionals. It's usually due to a system error. Mm. So there is something in our system that we are not practicing the way we are supposed Either we are not following the rules or the regulations are not are being applied properly or individuals are not being trained properly. And all of this can lead to the increase in the incidence of medical okay. negligence. All right. Prof, I want us to pause here for a second and uh, certainly uh, take a view from some of our listeners here. You might have been on the receiving end of uh, medical negligence uh, and uh, uh, or have a current case or even a past case against any of the provincial administrations. Let us know uh, what some of your thoughts are or even just in general about uh, some of the system failures that the professor is talking about and the ethos uh, within many of our health uh, uh, service uh, uh, facilities where we often hear of people dying in queues uh, or people uh, really, uh, I guess, uh, losing their uh, children, uh, unborn children here, uh, due to uh, a negligence on the part of uh, many healthcare professionals. It's certainly having a massive impact on the macro budgets that are allocated to uh, the provision of health services. And uh, as we make our way towards the NHI, certainly going to also present a massive risk factor. I'd love to hear from you. If John Jemison, the founding father of Jemison, saw you drinking his whiskey to Ama Piano every Sunday, Kukasi, it's Yule Makenge, Kong, 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 eh? opening the circle, the shepherd, the pouncing cat. If the boss John were to see you doing such things with his whiskey, yo, he'd have one thing to say. Yeah, homonaditad. Because there's no such thing as a Jemison drinker. Why? Taste. That's why. Not for persons under the age of 18. Under the microscope on Metro FM Talk. Under the microscope on this Monday here on Metro FM Talk on the Mighty Metro. We're taking a look at medical negligence and uh, Professor Sylvester Chima uh, suggesting to us that uh, provinces of the Eastern Cape and uh, the province of Gauteng. Uh, certainly having and uh, carrying the bulk of uh, the medical negligence lawsuits or claims against the government, which uh, in uh, the 2018-19 financial year led to about uh, just under 2 billion rand in uh, successful uh, claimants. And uh, the big question we're asking is uh, certainly does this uh, present a massive risk and what's behind this and how can we prevent it? And uh, Professor Professor Sylvester Chima joins me uh, on the line to uh, talk about this. Now, Prof, uh, and uh, I might have mentioned this uh, just before we went to the break, but uh, uh, the big question here is, is, you know, we're looking for convergence. We're looking to integrate our different healthcare systems. But when we have these kinds of, uh, you know, levels of um, uh, 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 lawsuits against uh, the state uh, for all manner of delictual liabilities and uh, and negligence here, it makes one wonder whether or not this is going to present a material risk uh, to the financing of the NHI, but also even, uh, I guess, how services are delivered under this uh, consolidated system. Yes, we, we have talked about it previously. Uh, this is one of the things that we have to control. We have to bring it under control or better manage it in order for NHI to succeed. Now, in the places where they have been you know, practicing something similar to NHI, for example, in England, where they have had a national health service, where they provide this thing, they found out that they were spending so much money on negligence claims. So they had to find ways in which, you know, in which to mitigate the impact of negligence claims on the availability, you know, on the funds that are available for healthcare. And one of the things that they did, now, one of the things we have to understand, even though 
I know you have asked you this thing. We have to understand that medicine is not an exact science. Mm. Okay, like every human endeavor, there will be errors and sure. mistakes will be made. Now, sometimes what happens is that when we're talking about compensation, this money that is being paid out, the money is not just being paid out just willy-nilly. The money is being paid out based on a system of what we call thought. A thought system is that, for example, if somebody gets injured, if you cut off the wrong leg, for example, mm. You cannot reattach it most of the time. So the only way you can compensate the individual for that error or that negligent act is, for example, to give them a financial reward yes. to compensate them for the loss that they have suffered. Mm. And that is where it is. But where it causes a problem is that because of the system that we use, the system is that we use is that for you to prove that you have a clear case of negligence, now you have to hire a lawyer. Mm. Now, the government also has to hire a lawyer. You have to get expert witnesses. The government has to get expert witnesses. So all these increased administrative costs with this side hiring a lawyer, that person, so it becomes an adversarial process. That is what causes the money that was supposed to be paid to balloon. In other words, it increases because you're paying all these different types of people on both sides. And litigation takes a long time. And, you know, mm. you know uh, legal processes take a long time and cost a lot of money. And that's why, the, you know, the payments actually increase. Now, one of the things that they came up with in those places where they have actually tried to manage it was, for, for example, to find a scheme whereby, like we have agreed, we all agree that errors will occur, big mistakes will happen. So that if mistakes happen, a child is born, for example, with autism or, you know, or severe brain injury, and you know this child is going to be cared for for another 20, 30 years, then somebody has to pay for that. Then we have to find a system where we agree that there is an error, and these people are taking these kind of cases, or at least in small cases, are taken out of the litigation. In other words, you don't have to go to court, you don't have to hire a lawyer, and then we just compensate them, compensate those individuals. That's one way. Now, it can also be that you don't have to compensate them monetarily. You can have a situation where you compensate the individuals who have been enjoyed and say, okay, fine. The government will treat you for free, mm. you know, for as long as, you know, as you, as you are injured in order to mitigate the impact of what has happened. Mm. So we have to come up with creative ways to reduce the cost of this particular thing. Otherwise, you know, uh, uh, plans such as the NHI and other schemes to provide universal health care. Actually, that's the whole idea of NHI is to provide universal health care so that people can get treatment, you know, uh, good treatment mm. at low cost, you know, and is available to everybody will probably fail because there will be not enough money to actually run the system. Now, now, Prof, I mean, we, we hear in the trends and in the data that there's been a spike in the last four years in the quanta of some of the claims involved here. And uh, I guess there's two related questions that emerge from that. One, what do you make of some of the suggestions that, you know, there's a, there's a racket that is being run here uh, by some legal professionals who are really looking for any and every claim here that they can really uh, use to uh, fleece the state? And then on the other, I mean, if, if there's a rapid decline in the cases of negligence that can be brought before the courts and uh, where some of the claims run into just over 100 billion here, uh, yeah. um, you know, what does that say about... Uh, you know, the state of the decline and how rapidly there's been a decline in some of the systems that you suggest have failed when we see this kind of negligence? Well, one of the problems that we have in our own environment is that we don't have actually accurate statistics. Mm. You see, we don't have accurate statistics. What we get is when the case has actually come to the court. You know, or the cases that, okay, this person has made this amount of claim. That's what we're... But 
you know, the, the studies done in the United States have shown that about 42% of cases there will be medical negligence or medical error. But out of that 42%, only about 6% of patients will actually claim. Now, what has been happening, you said there's been an, a spike. Mm. The spike is occurring because people are becoming more aware of their human rights. Mm. Okay, that, that's one of the things that are called this universal thing. People are becoming, as more people are becoming consumer, you know, if you're paying so much for health insurance, you know, every month is deducted from your salary, obviously. <laughs> when something happens, you want to be compensated mm. for that because you say, I am a consumer of healthcare and somebody has failed me, therefore I demand justice and I demand to be compensated for the injury that I have suffered. So most pe- more people are becoming aware of their rights you know, as healthcare consumers and therefore they are more likely to make claims. Secondly, now, <clears throat> in a situation where people were ignorant before, they wouldn't report to a lawyer. Lawyers are also becoming aware that, well, we, you know, they, they, they are entitled to, advert, ad, well, I wouldn't say advertise, but they are entitled to encourage patients to come up and claim their rights. Mm. Okay, so definitely it will keep on going up. And it's not only a South African thing, and that's, that's one thing that you need to know, that these claims or the increased claims or the medical increased claims of medical negligence is not is a global phenomenon, especially in most democratic societies. In England, it's a problem. In America, it's a problem. And there are certain specialties. But people have spent time studying it in order to find ways in which we can limit it. Mm. I've given the example of what happens in England where they say, okay, fine, let's establish a scheme for trust, for hospitals, hospital system, where we say, if this mistake has occurred, sure. instead of you going to hire a lawyer, yes, bring it to us and then we'll pay you appropriate compensation mm. without you having to litigate it, having to go to court and therefore increasing the cost. That's one way. Okay. Now, in other countries, they have put a cap on the amount of money you can claim. Mm. Okay, they can say, okay, fine, for this particular thing, if you lose one eye, you can only claim so much. You cannot just keep on claiming until, sure. you know, you know, exactly. So there are ways, but those things are not being introduced. And thirdly, like I said, we need to do more research. Our researchers, including myself, and others mm. need to do more research in sure. South Africa to find out what are the causes of medical negligence so that we can then train doctors and healthcare professionals on how to minimize mm. the incidence and therefore reduce the number of cases that are coming up. Professor, Professor Sylvester yeah. Chima, thank you very much for your time. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. Pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much for your insights uh, into this particular space. Uh, he's the Associate Professor and uh, head of uh, the uh, program of uh, bio and uh, research ethics and medical law at the University of Guazulu Natal. That's where we're going to leave it. We're back with you again tomorrow at uh, the same uh, place at the same time. Catch us from 19.30 tomorrow right through to 9pm. I leave you with uh, the soulful sounds of the man with the music centers with you from 9 to midnight. Have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Africa. Kubalos kama Afrika sembo tina kwa esi saibanga le ekonomi.